The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Happy to have you along for the ride. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. Lots to cover this week. It is opening week. We'll have one game to watch for every team in our coverage area. We'll take a look at last week's poll and share this week's poll question with you. And we'll tell you about a new media venture that's changing the way high school football is covered in the area. A lot of ground to get to, so we'll get right to it, of course. This is opening week. And I want to warn you, I want to give you a disclaimer beforehand, no matter who your team is, temper your expectations. Week one is not going to be the end-all, be-all. It is not going to be a game that can win a state championship for a team. It can lose one if things go poorly. But you're not going to see a completely finished product. A lot of teams, especially championship teams, get much better from where they were in week one to where they will be at the end of the year. But people are starved for football. We're happy to see it back. And I think that excitement causes some people to maybe get a little blind to the fact that we're not looking at finished products and that these teams still have a long way to go from where they're going to be. So don't get too down after week one, no matter the outcome, and don't get too up after week one is my best advice to the football fan out there because a win might be nice to get, but that doesn't solve all the problems that might exist in the underlying nature. There's a lot of people that win week one and the coaches still are a little unhappy about it because there are adjustments that need to be made and things that need to be worked on that would be exposed by teams down the road. However, don't dismiss your opener either. It is a big deal, and in a 10-game season, losing one gets you behind the eight ball pretty quickly. A lot of optimism fizzles after that opener for teams that lose the opener, but good teams are able to build from there and get better. We'll have a few more thoughts on tough openers or openers that might not go your way later in the program, but the good teams are able to build from a bad opener or an opener that doesn't go their way and get better. Average teams, for some, that's the highlight of the season. It only goes downhill from there, so you can't reach too much into it. You have to temper your expectations, but also don't take it lightly either. Of course, a couple weeks ago, we promised you one game to watch in the area for each team. Last week, we delivered five games that I'll keep an eye on, at least, and that I'm excited to see. And this is one game to watch for each team. This isn't necessarily the biggest game on each team's schedule. This isn't necessarily a rivalry game, but this is a game that I feel can be a pivot point for a season, or could very well be a pivot point for a season, and is one that could swing things one way or the other if it hasn't already been done by that point. But but it's one worth watching, worth keeping an eye on as we sit right here in late August. Many of these games will be later in the season, and of course the complexions of these seasons could be far different by that time, by the time we get to that game. But we'll start with the St. Mary's Blue Devils. St. Mary's has... A schedule that's got some playoff teams on it and some playoff caliber teams on it. They'll start with a couple double-A teams in Roan County and Scott. So some bonus point opportunities right off the bat, albeit that's a long trip to Scott St. Mary's makes next week. Beautiful facility they've got down there. I've seen pictures of it. So that is a perk of that trip, but it's a long trip. They've got Ritchie County at home, a playoff team last year. They'll host Williamstown, Magnolia later on. Tyler Consolidated on the home schedule. What sets up well for St. Mary's is the fact that aside from Ritchie County, a lot of the toughest games 
games, like I said, Williamstown, Magnolia, Tyler Consolidated, those games are at home on the friendly confines of Bill Hanlon Stadium. That sets up well, but the game that I'm pinpointing is one that I talked about last week on the program, St. Mary's Magnolia on October 18th. That's game seven for the Blue Devils, and it could pivot things for St. Mary's and Magnolia if both of those teams find themselves on the periphery of the playoff race, as they may both be in that position. St. Mary's will have already played Ritchie County and Williamstown. There are wins on the schedule for St. Mary's with Calhoun and Wirt being down. Those games are earlier, and I think St. Mary's really needs to take one of the first two. Uh, You don't have to win them both, but I really think they need one of those two, especially against the Scott team that went 1-9 last year. I think if you're St. Mary's, that's one you got to grab, even though it's a long road trip. There's optimism this year with Brennan Boron, a quarterback, in his second year at the position. I read a piece in the paper this week about how he has grown by leaps and bounds in that position, Uh, but St. Mary's has a real shot going into that Magnolia game to be 4-2 on the edge of a playoff position. And Magnolia, for that matter, has a schedule that sets up very similarly. That's not the game I've picked for Magnolia, by the way. But Magnolia's got a tough start of the schedule, though they do have a bye week in week one. Teams like Shadyside, always a favorite. Williamstown's well, they'll start on September 6th. Marietta is a double-A equivalent that's coming to Bill Stewart Stadium. Tyler Consolidated, and then Wheeling Central, the defending state champions, a team they picked off last year. For Magnolia, they're going to need to be getting wins too. They have Tyler Consolidated, Wheeling Central after St. Mary's, so Magnolia will need to be getting wins as well and be building that up, but so too will St. Mary's. Almost a de facto elimination game for a playoff spot. How about Ritchie County? Looking at the Rebels' schedule, the one that I think is the game to watch there is that game with Parkersburg Catholic, a game that they thought should have went their way last year. A very close call late in the game allowed that to go in favor of Parkersburg Catholic, and of course they went on to a big season winning the first eight before running into a buzzsaw with Williamstown, but the one I've picked with Ritchie County is Parkersburg Catholic, September 6th. You gotta like how Rick Hot's schedule sets up as well. They've got five home games this year, the first three at home. They don't have to go on the road until September 26th when they head down Route 50 to Doddridge County, and of their five road games, you've got that one plus Calhoun, which is just out Route 16, so some really close games for Ritchie County. They don't have a lot of tough trips to make, but I think Ritchie County is going to be very revenge minded, and they're an experienced team. They've settled on quarterback with Dakota Wayne. They're better in the running game than they were last year, and I think they'll be better in the passing game this year, too. So Parkersburg Catholic is going to be a team that's in a lot of people's crosshairs this year, and they better watch out for that. And I think they know that they're in a lot of people's crosshairs. They're better than they were last year. We'll get to them in a minute, but I think Ritchie County and Parkersburg Catholic is going to be a fantastic game on September 6th, and maybe one that pivots things for Ritchie County because they've got a tough opener with Tyler Consolidated, and then with St. Mary's after a bye week, Parkersburg Catholic in Week 2 if they're not careful, they could be 0-2 very easily before going into that bye week in St. Mary's. And you don't want to be 0-2 with two weeks to sit around and think about it if you're the Rebels. Let's take a look at Parkersburg High School. You know, the word rebuilding is kind of cruel because that's not necessarily true. But they've got a lot of reloading to do. A lot of seniors lost off of last year's team. They're very young. And right off the bat, they've got a Morgantown team at home. They played last year in their opener and played a good game with and lost on the road in their opener. That'll be a big game, but the one that I think is going to be pivotal is Capital on September 20th. If they can go into University of Charleston Stadium, best known perhaps as Laidley Field, and compete with what will be a very speedy capital team because they always have athletes and they're always fast. If Parkersburg can counter that and compete with that, then they might make a run later on in the season. Remember in AAA, 16 teams get in, 29 teams in all in the class, so you don't have to be world beaters to get into the postseason. You really need to win five games to have a legitimate shot, and you could get in at four and six, although you're going to get your lunch handed to you by 
Sam Martinsburg or whoever the number two seed might be. But if you can go six and four, five and five, you might not get a home game, but you'll get a game that you could go in and compete in the first round of the playoffs and you can make a run of it. So I think Capital will be a big test to this Big Reds team because of that. Let's take a look at Parkersburg South. First year of new head coach Nathan Tanner's tenure there. They'll start twice on the road, Ripley and University, in what will not be an easy start to the season. But they got a three-game homestand after that. And the first game of that homestand is the one that I've got my circle around. It's the South game against Athens, Ohio. Parkersburg South went on the road last year and lost 26-16 to Athens. They didn't look back after that, but they didn't take advantage of Athens' mistakes in that game. If it were last year's coaching staff, I think that would be a bigger motivating factor than it will be this year. South will be motivated by a few other things this year. The fact that it's Nathan Tanner's first home game. He'll be excited for that. He'll be pumped, and they'll be excited to debut in front of the home fans. With those two road games at the beginning of the year, remember, South has five home games of their last eight. So that sets up well for a young Patriots team, or at least a Patriots team that is without their top two yardage and touchdown producers in Braden Mooney and Nick Yoho from last year's team at least. But I think Brandon Penn is more than capable of stepping into the quarterback position. People might expect him to run the ball and he can run the ball, but if they sit on that, they could possibly be burned and find out the hard way because he has a bigger arm than most people give him credit for and it is going to play this year for the Patriots. As to whether or not it can be accurate, that will be what decides South's success. They are loaded at the receiver position though. They've got some options in the running back. I went to their scrimmage last week. Not a lot of work at running back for Donathan Taylor. I know he's had some kidney stone issues earlier this year, and he transferred into the program in the middle of the summer. He didn't go to a lot of the summer weightlifting, and I think because of that, that coaching staff feels he's a little bit behind. That's going to be a shock to most other people in the state, because in most pockets of the state, Donovan Taylor is looked at as a Kennedy Award candidate, and I'm not sure that South sees him that way. They've got him prominently featured in their defense. They're using him on special teams in the kick return game, but Devin Gaines was getting the majority of the carries in the backfield for what I think will probably be a passing team this year. If I had to guess right now, I would say 60-40 pass versus run, looking at what I saw the other night. Penn can sling the ball with the best of them, and Taylor could emerge as a secret weapon of sorts if that's a possible thing for Donathan Taylor to be, but they're not really giving him a lot of looks at running back now, so he may sneak up on some teams later this season. I really look for this South team to be far different in Week 10 than where they are in Week 1, or in Game 10 than where they are in Week 1. Looking at Parkersburg Catholic, we talked about them a moment ago. Lance Benegar's club is going to be in a lot of crosshairs, but I look at the game against Benegar's alma mater in Frontier. Frontier is a lot better. They have gelled from where they were a year ago. Russ Morris will be in his second year in his second stint. Benninger played for Morris when he was at Frontier, and I think for Benninger, this might be a game. It's on the road October 4th. That's got some emotion attached to it because of that, because he's going to be his old coach. And Parkersburg Catholic's going to be in a few people's crosshairs. They'll have Ritchie County in the second week of the season. That won't be an easy one. They've got some wins out there on the schedule, don't get me wrong, and Williamstown later in the schedule to contend with. But for Parkersburg Catholic, I think Frontier is a team that they beat last year and might not find things to their liking this year. Russ Morris's club is going to be ready for the Crusaders this year. Speaking of Russ Morris's Cougars, the Cougars have a great schedule this year. I absolutely love what they're doing with their schedule. Five home, five on the road. Here are the road games. Bellsville, Cameron, Coldwell, Valley Wetzel, Monroe Central. The home games, Payton City, Bridgeport, Magnolia, Parkersburg Catholic, and River. They've done a beautiful job of finding schools near nearby on both sides of the river that have comparable enrollments and comparable numbers on their team. Frontier's numbers are in the low 20s this year, but Russ Morris is very confident
confident with where they are, talking to the head coach of the Cougars earlier in the preseason. I think this is a team that has the potential to be a breakout team in this area this year. Not saying they're going to go to the playoffs. Again, it's tougher in Ohio. You really have to go 7-3, and three, even 6-4, and four, though we're starting to see in Ohio the same thing in West Virginia. 6-4, and 5-5, five and five, more common than it was maybe 10 years ago to get into the playoffs. That having been said, there are some winnable games on this Frontier schedule this year. I think they're going to need to beat somebody good, maybe somebody that they necessarily shouldn't beat. I really draw an arrow to that September 27th matchup at home with Magnolia. Magnolia's numbers are going to be down, and that's a team that has a bye week in Week 1, so Frontier will be one more game experienced than they are. If that's one more game experienced and not one more game beaten up, then Frontier might have an edge there in that one. But either way, the Cougars could be a real breakout team this season. Heading up the river on the Ohio side, Mike Flannery's River Pilots, a playoff team last year at 6-4, and four, really looking toward next year. They got a big, strong crop of freshmen, 13 of them that'll be in playing form next year and be big contributors next year on that team. They've got a shot this year. This year's not a lost cause either. They could get to the playoffs this year. It's not out of the question, but they do have a tough, tough schedule ahead at the start of the year. They got Bel Air and Southern right out of the gate, and this is the Southern out of Salineville and not Southern out of Meigs County. Southern a good team last year. Bel Air a good team. Two playoff teams right out of the gate. So even if this team stumbles in both of those and Rivers 0-2 to start, how about Monroe Central on September 3rd? That's a game that they've got to have, especially if they don't get those other two. Magnolia, the rival, is in the following week, and then Shady Sides down on the schedule later on. Plus, Caldwell and Frontier are two tough rivals that they have toward the end of the year as well. And again, for Frontier, that could be more than just a rivalry game. That could be playoff positioning there. So a lot at stake, and River needs to really get the wins where they are in the schedule, and they need to get that September 13th game, especially if that is a game that prevents a landslide. They need to be that break if they've lost those first two. And if they haven't lost those, if they've won one or both of those, hey, that game, the Monroe Central game, could be the one that shoots them to the stratosphere. Let's check in with Tyler Consolidated, also a playoff team last year. They got in as a 16 seed, went on the road and competed for a while with eventual state champion Wheeling Central before falling in that one. Tyler Consolidated scored some points against Wheeling Central, but the Silver Knights have Mark Rucker back. They're replacing Griffin Phillips, a quarterback, but they're confident with the players they have if their numbers are a little lower than they'd like in the low 30s. They've got a bye week in week three after after a tough start to the schedule, Ritchie County on the road, then Doddridge County at home in what could be a shootout. From what I'm hearing for Tyler Consolidated, they don't feel like they're going to score as many points as last year, but they definitely could put up the numbers on offense. So for Tyler Consolidated, I think by the end of the season, they're either going to be able to prove that they can play with the big boys or fold down the stretch. There's no bigger measuring stick on a lot of schedules, but especially Tyler Consolidated's schedule, there's no bigger measuring stick than Williamstown, and that's who comes calling on October 18th. Three games in a row, a three-game homestand in October for Tyler Consolidated, with Williamstown right in the middle of that, October 18th, and that one could tell us a lot about how the end of Tyler Consolidated's season could go. Continuing in that part of the region, Payton City is under first-year head coach Zach Keasley. The 23-year-old is excited for his first game and his first season, and I think their first game is going to be the swing game for this season. The only team that I have picked of the 12 in the region, and the 12 that I'm mentioning on this part of the podcast, those are the 12, by the way, that we did our preseason preview series on on Light Rock 93 Hours Facebook page. You can still see those interviews. But Payton City, on the road at Frontier in Week 1, they are the only team that I have picked Week 1 to be that pivotal game. If they get off to a good start, they've got winnable games on their schedule. Ward County has struggled. Van has struggled. Bridgeport, Ohio, 100. Cameron lost their opener already, so they may be down from where they were last year. But there are winnable games for the Wildcats, and 5-5 five and five is not 
out of the realm if this team can stay healthy. They are in good spirits up there with new head coach Zach Easley, and I think he's brought a lot of positivity that maybe wasn't around that program, so I'm excited to see what they can do. But again, 5-5, five and five, not out of the realm. A lot of folks excited about football up there, and he's going to have the locals excited. They'll be excited with or without him, but I think he's going to help energize that town and that fan base. Magnolia, I mentioned them earlier. Things aren't easy for the Blue Eagles. Dave Chapman's club has week one open, then Williamstown on the road. Shadyside and River at home, then they go to Frontier. So it's a tough first half of the season as it wraps up at home with Monroe Central. But it's the start of the second half is where I've got my eyes focused. They will start the second half at home against Marietta, a team that may very well be looking for a winning season or to be contending by that point as well. And so I think for Magnolia, they're going to hit a stretch in that second half. Marietta, St. Mary's, Tyler Consolidated, Game 6, 7, and 8, where those are three teams that are going to have their best ready to go because they will also be possibly contending for the playoffs. And for Magnolia, team has got Wheeling Central in Week 10. If they want to get in, they're going to have to win two of those three in that stretch, I think. Marietta, St. Mary's, Tyler Consolidated. If Magnolia is going to have a winning season and or get into the playoffs because 5-5 five and five can get it, then I think they're going to have to pick off two of those three, and Marietta will be a good one with some double-A equivalency points and at home, too. That one is the one I've got circled for Magnolia. And how about the Williamstown Yellow Jackets? We talked about Parkersburg Catholic earlier, and that's the one I got circled for Williamstown October 26th. I think for Williamstown, they heard a lot of chirping about that program and a lot of chirping about how good they were going to be, and I think they sent a message with the win against Parkersburg Catholic last year. Won't be easy this year, and for Williamstown, they'll be deep into a schedule that has Wheeling Central, Magnolia, Marietta, St. Mary's, Tyler Consolidated, all ahead of Parkersburg Catholic. So Williamstown will be replacing a quarterback this year and a running back. So if they're beat up, and if things haven't gone as well as Terry Smith's club would like, uh, that Parkersburg Catholic game could be the last thing they want to see at that point of the season. So we'll see what Terry Smith's squad has in store for Catholic in Week 9, their second-to-last game of the season. That could be one to watch for the Yellow Jackets. And how about Marietta? Let's go across the river one last time and take a look at the Marietta Tigers. We mentioned them in passing a few other times this year. Magnolia, of course, a big game on their schedule, but I think Williamstown will be the big game for Marietta. They start with Morgan and Warren. Those are games that they can compete in, and then Williamstown, Ripley, and Parkersburg to follow. And if they can pick off Williamstown in Week 3, then that second half of the season will all of a sudden have a whole lot more meaning to it. But Marietta starts with four home games. They have six total this year. They got New Philly at home. They got Zanesville at home. Uh, They go to Dover, which will be probably their toughest road game aside from Cambridge. Some real opportunities for this Marietta team to make. Hey, Jason Chobe talked to me about the chemistry on this team. He says he feels there's better team chemistry this year than what they've had in years past. So if that manifests itself and if that holds true, then we could be seeing big things out of the Marietta Tigers. So again, that's one to watch from every team in our coverage area this season. Watch high school football live streamed wherever you are. Don't miss the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55 for great coverage of the area's biggest games. This Friday, it's the Parkersburg Big Reds hosting the Morgantown Mohegans. Kickoff is at 7.30. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55. It's the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. 
stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's take a look at last week's poll question. We asked you how much stock should be paid to preseason polls. None or not much or some a lot. There was a range there because we only had two answer choices, so none to not much or some to a lot. 91% of you said none to not much. 9% of you said some to a lot. We had 22 votes on this one and only one comment. That was Craig Dutton who said it's just a litmus test to determine how well teams will fare in the coming season following past year's results. News of coaching changes, player transfers, and returning upperclassmen can make a difference in determining a preseason poll. Ultimately, though, preseason polls only go so far. That's why it'll only work until week one. That's when every team has a chance to showcase their hard work on the gridiron. There's always some teams that are overestimated and some teams that are underestimated. I couldn't agree with you more, Craig. Thank you so much for the feedback. And again, we encourage a lot of folks if they want to chime in with feedback, and we'll read that on the show and you'll get recognized and we'll have some fun with it there. And I'll share my thoughts on some of those things as well, just like I just did with Craig a moment ago. Litmus test is a good way to look at it. Maybe a barometer on how the state views your program. Maybe that's a more fair way to say it. Following past year's results, I won't lie, I think a lot of people use the final poll of the previous season to help determine where things are. Coaching changes, player transfers, returning upperclassmen. I'll vote one way or another in a preseason poll if I know a team does or does not have a lot coming back. But at the end of the day, these things really don't mean a whole lot. These are conversation pieces. It's a way to generate some content. If you got a sponsor, it's a way to have something else to sell to make some more money for your media outlet that does this poll or whoever that may be. This is a conversation piece. And I think the biggest thing that people need to understand is this has no bearing on the final standings. It's not like in college football where there's a coach's poll and an associated press poll. And then on top of that, there's the playoff standings. The playoff standings are computer. The AP poll is voted on by the media and the coaches are voted by the sports information directors because let's face it the coaches aren't actually filling out these ballots that's another story either way this is voted on by the media people who read and watch stuff and people who talk to coaches and talk to other media and while these opinions are probably a little more informed than most others in the state when it comes to high school football and theoretically unbiased for one there probably is still some regional bias and probably some emotional bias emotional bias shouldn't be there there's not excuse for that. Regional bias because you see the teams and you know them better and you can vouch for the teams in your region and you might have a better relationship with a coach in that region and when they tell you we're down this year or we're up this year and then you kind of take that to the bank. So either way, intentional and unintentional bias seeps into that poll whether you like it or not. It's a conversation piece. It's nice. It maybe fires up some kids. It maybe ticks off some kids. It maybe boosts some confidence. It certainly is something the parents get excited about one or the other. But that Metro News Power Rank or any other media vote or poll has no bearing on the playoff ranking. That is a points-based system, and it's proven to be a really good way to determine who gets into the playoffs because there's not been a lot of cases in the past, uh, looking at the last 10 years that I can think of, of teams that were underseeded, overseeded, in that shouldn't have been in, out that shouldn't have been out. It's done a pretty fair job of doing what it was supposed to do and getting the right field of 16 in. And even the most diligent high school football media members in this state 
State. They've got no time or way to watch all the games, or even as many games that are out there with everything else that has to be done, uh, not just professionally, but personally. And plus, there's not a lot of people who have the time to talk to all the coaches that they would want to talk to to get an idea of what's going on. You can look online to see maybe some recaps or write-ups about previous games, but in many cases, paywalls limit what you can see anyway, which honestly, I think media members ought to be able to get through all those paywalls through various media outlets. I get why they're there. That's another thing for another day. But a lot of newspaper websites limit what you can see. You, you try to look for information about a game, but you may be only able to read the first sentence of that story. So it's tough even to find out information about how good a team is or why a team is good or this player feature or that player feature because you just can't see it unless you subscribe to about a dozen different newspapers in the state. And hey, none of us are on a budget. We're in the media after all. But either way, 91% of you said none or not much attention to be paid to preseason polls. 9% said some. Looking at them quickly, Martinsburg, Spring Valley, Capital, Huntington, Musselman, Cabell, Midland, Wheeling Park, Morgantown, Parkersburg South, and PHS, your top 10 in class, AAA. So again, this area well represented. Ripley was also receiving votes. Double A, Bluefield, Fairmont Senior. And that surprised me a little bit given that Fairmont Senior is the defending state champion. A lot of time you see the defending state champion at least given that courtesy number one pick in preseason. But Bluefield was number one in the preseason this year. And a close vote, it was a split vote. Fairmont Senior, Bridgeport, Mingo Central, Robert Seabird, Kaiser Point. Pleasant, Poco, Weir, and Nicholas County to round out the top 10. But I think Class A is the biggest argument for why you can't pay too much attention to preseason polls in high school football. I'll read the top 10, then I'll tell you why. Wheeling Central, Williamstown, Doddridge County, not surprises up there. Wheeling Central, unanimous number one. Midland Trail, Mountview, Magnolia, Sherman, Parkersburg Catholic, Cameron, and Pendleton County. Magnolia at six, and this is no offense to Dave Chapman's team, but they would have to prove to me and do a lot to prove to me why they deserve to be in the top 10. They lost their quarterback from last year. Their numbers are low. They're confident in who they have, but I'm going to need to see something out of the Yellow Jackets. Parkersburg Catholic is fair, but how about the exclusion of teams like Ritchie County or Tyler Consolidated? They were both playoff teams last year, and they've got a lot coming back, especially Ritchie County. And then Tyler Consolidated has one of the areas in some pockets, the state's most touted running backs coming back in Mark Rucker. But receiving votes ahead of them, St. Mary's at 17. What exactly did Jody Moat's Blue Devils do to engender that much confidence. St. Mary's got 17 votes, essentially putting them in 13th in this poll. And this is a team that did not finish 500 last year. I think they'll win some more games because of experience. But to get that close to the preseason top 10, I think that's ludicrous. But here's the real reason why I think these preseason polls are a little ridiculous and can't be too trusted. 27 teams in Class A got at least one vote. 27 teams. There is no way... And you could argue parity, and some would say that that just means that there's a lot of teams that are on even ranking. But no, that is 100% not the reason why 27 teams got votes. That's because people either don't pay attention to Class A, again, given that St. Mary's has 17 votes in this poll, and I mean no disrespect to St. Mary's, none whatsoever. Jody Moat and his staff have a good program there, but that vote is 100% based on what they've done in the past, not even last year. I guarantee if 9 out of 10 programs in the state had the year St. Mary's had last year and you took nothing else into consideration, they would not have that many votes in the poll. Of course, St. Mary's did make three trips to Wheeling Island in a four-year stretch before that, and that's very respectable. But this shouldn't be a poll that's voted on based on emotion and based on what a team has done as a track record. You can't look at track record, and I think that's what too many people have done. But still, 27 teams got votes, either because people are voting, voting with emotion or people are making uninformed choices. 
choices. So it's really hard to look at that and decide that uh, you can read a lot into that because of that. So I don't know. That's, uh, to me, the biggest argument why you can't take these polls too seriously. You shouldn't get too bent out of shape over preseason polls. Let's take a look at this week's question. Would you rather see your favorite team start with a difficult opener or an easy opener? Why or why not? We talked about that a little bit. Some teams can get buried in week one. Some teams can take a big win in an opener, whether it's a tough team or not, and cruise after that and use that as a big momentum boost to get through the rest of the season. So would you rather see your favorite team start with a difficult opening game? Why or why not? That is this week's poll question. High school football fans in the Mid-Ohio Valley are going to see some new coverage this year. 1455 Media with Troy Duvall and Mitch Owen will bring viewers closer than ever to the game. I'm joined by Troy and Mitch, and they're going to talk about the coverage this year. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. So 1455, tell us how that came to be. 1455 Sports is an extension of the company 1455 Media. So what's that from? Mitch and I have known each other since 2002. We used to be co-workers at Sudden Link Media, and that's where our friendship, that's where our professional relationship all began. In 2018, the end of 2018, we had the timing just kind of lined up. Mitch was uh, in a good spot to build a business. I was in a good spot to build a business. So we launched 1455 Media, partly as a production house. With our partnership and with some other good things, we were able to acquire a ton of live video production gear. And with that, we're now in the process of launching this 1455 offshoot, the 1455 Sports. As quickly as we come up with the idea, it's executed and the next challenge comes up. So it's, it's been fun, it's been exciting, and business is growing at a very rapid pace, which is both good and bad for us. So. <laughs> we just purchased a 34-foot box truck uh, to put all this gear in, and it actually had some good audio gear as well. So we've got state-of-the-art HD, uh, we've got up to six cameras uh, in HD. We're going to have probably some of the best uh, camera operators in the area. We've got a great team that that's going to be uh, bringing you the coverage we're going to do some things differently and do some things right we're just not one guy with camera we are going to try to give you as close to what you would expect if you were watching espn or fox sports or or one of those bigger regional shows and these games that you're talking about these are the the games of the week in the area it's a regional package tell us about some of the games you'll have uh, we're starting out with Parkersburg and Morgantown. It's uh, Morgantown at Parkersburg this Friday night at 7.30. Next week, we'll have what I think is going to be a great game is uh, Doddridge County at Tyler Consolidated with the two big running backs of the state. So I think that's going to be a fantastic game. We end up with the Hatchet game, which is Ravenswood at Ripley. And we have just some really good matchups in between. We're in Ritchie County, Parkersburg Catholic, Marietta at Magnolia. That's probably the furthest we go out. We have some other matchups as well. We tried to get the best matchups we could in the Middle Ohio Valley to, to showcase all the teams that we could. A lot of teams that get coverage and a lot of teams that don't always get coverage on television, too. Yeah, and I want to actually go back to the quality of our show and what Mitch and I are kind of hoping to do. The one thing that hasn't happened in southeastern Ohio is a company hasn't really committed themselves to local high school and collegiate sports. And Mitch and I combined have almost 50 years of experience. And I've worked for ESPN for the last 15 years. And Mitch taught me everything I know, and he's got almost 30 years in the business. So not only do we have or or are going to have great lineups, we're going to carry this on into basketball season and baseball season. And what we want to do is really highlight and document the games that that are already great in the Middle High Valley just so people can watch them. So we're we're excited about what, what we're about to do. 
The schedule sounds great. A lot of teams that if you're listening to this and you can hear this broadcast right now, I guarantee there's a team in your area that is going to be on this coverage. The big question is where do we find the coverage? We're going to be everywhere. I'll answer this. I I think I can answer this better. All of our broadcasts are going to be streamed live on our website, which is at 1455media.com. That's the word 1455media.com. In addition to that, we will simulcast to our Facebook, and we're going to simulcast to our YouTube channel. We have partnered with an organization called Coalfields and Company, and they can be found at coalfields.org, coalfields.org, and they are a football-specific website in West Virginia. I think they brought in almost 250,000 unique views in 2019 alone, and so those two partnerships, and then each host school has the option to simulcast. So if they want to throw it on their website or their Facebook, we just kind of hope to flood the market with our product and hope that people watch it. The more eyeballs we have on it, the better it is for mm-hmm. us. It helps the sponsor base, too, because that way you're able to deliver something for the sponsors. Well, we're hoping to create an entertainment, something that's entertaining enough that people want to tune in. One of the chief obstacles we find with advertisers is they say, well, the grandparents and parents are already at the game. We completely disagree with that statement because we feel there's a huge fan base that wants to watch a variety of games or a variety of schools. Uh, my dad's a, a local high school football coach. I guarantee when he's done coaching his team, he will come back and watch our program after. I got a Facebook reminder for Parkersburg and Morgantown. And as much as I love you guys, I will not be watching Parkersburg and Morgantown <laughs> this Friday night. I have my own work to be doing, yes, but I will circle back and hit that. Yes. Yeah. And that's going to be a great matchup. And that's what we're looking for. I think that's where viewership's going to come from. And I think people are going to be surprised how many people actually tune into this. So So we'll go back to the advertisers. If we can do a solid national level looking television program, stream it live to the internet where people watch TV now, I think it's a no-brainer. I think we're going to be very successful. I think we could just start a new show here, basically aimed at advertisers, and what we'll do is we'll just tell people why exactly they're wrong about who they think their audience is, and that's just going to be what we do for like an hour, two hours. So we use Livestream, and the cool thing about it is once you're done with it, just like Facebook Live, you can go back and watch it. So not only is it there on Livestream, but then it's on demand afterwards so a lot of people can do that say in an instance like Parkersburg High and Wheeling Park last year a game that might have gone viral for the way that finished now you'll be able to go back and watch that again and again and again and again absolutely yeah that's the point and the best part is is since we're streaming live you can be at game a and watch our game you don't have to be at home. You don't have to be in front of a computer. It's yeah. it's on your phone. It's on your, your laptop. It's on your iPad. I think it's the future of broadcast, local broadcast. Right. I know platforms like the company I work for, ESPN has, has already started uh, really pushing live streaming stuff. I think the word live stream is, is definitely in our vocabulary now as Americans. So we're hoping to be the, the first locally to kind of take advantage of that. I'm going to put you on the spot really quickly here before we wrap up. One game that you're excited to see and why. And, Mitch, I'm going to take Tyler Consolidated Doddridge County off the table just to increase the degree of difficulty. Well, you can say it. Mitch already said it, though. That's unfair because not only am I from Ohio, I coach for my dad at an Ohio school. So I don't have the knowledge of West Virginia football, maybe, like Mitch does. So I'm I'm still going to have to take Doddridge uh, and Tyler Consolidated back and say that's the game I'm excited about. All right. And I think it's because of the offense. I think it's because you got two D1 athletes 
going against each other. I, I think that's going to be the game of the year. Right now, that's me personally. And you were allowed to say it because he said it already. He's used it. You didn't. That's right. So, so there you go. You're good. All right. Pick another one. Mine is a little personal. Uh, I would say Parkersburg, Morgantown, the first one for me. I have a son that plays on the team, and I want to see where they are. This is a good barometer for how really good Coach Bias is because these kids are young. He's got a lot of youngsters playing, sophomores, juniors. I think they only have like six seniors, something like that. It's not a lot. And it was a good game last year. Yeah. So I, I really look to kind of see because what Morgantown has a new coach, but they have a lot of returners. So it's going to be an interesting game for me. And, and that's the one I'm really looking forward to. Well, fellas, thank you so much for your time. Good luck to you as you move this project forward. And we hope to hear more from you down the road. We appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Eric. That's our show this week. I'd like to thank Mitch Owen and Troy Duvall for making the time. 1455media.com where you can find their complete schedule and find those games. You can also like them on Facebook. The games will be there as well. This week it's PHS and Morgantown, a game that I won't be able to watch live for obvious reasons, but I do plan on watching the archive broadcast of that one, and that I think is going to be the real service as we touched on in the interview. The real service of this is you're going to be able to follow multiple games at once. Maybe you can be at one and watch one on your phone, or you can be at one and watch one that evening off of a tablet or a mobile device before bed, a really good chance to absorb more high school football because of the folks at 1455 Media. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes, like us there, rate us, review us. You can follow us on SoundCloud as well. The stations of Seven Ranges Radio have a full lineup this week on Light Rock 93R. It's Roan County at St. Mary's. On WXCR 92.3 FM, it's Tyler Consolidated at Ritchie County. And then on V96.9, I'll be in Ripley as Parkersburg South takes on the Ripley Vikings. On all three stations, Countdown to Kickoff begins our coverage at 6 p.m. It's week one, and we'll talk to you about it again next week and recap week one. We'll set you up for week two and have all the big stories you need to know there, plus another poll question, so lots to follow. Interact with the show. Like us on Facebook if you haven't already. Thank you for your time. My name is Eric Little, and you've been listening to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.